My friends, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, <clears throat> came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom, and read from the prophet Isaiah. The eyes of all were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, is, this, is not this Joseph's son? Jesus said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do here also in your hometown the things that we heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown, but the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them, except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha. None of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove Jesus out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But Jesus passed through the midst of them and went on his way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Every disciple of Jesus is called to be a prophet. Every disciple of Jesus is called to be a prophet. <clears throat> Sometimes our Christ-like example is the best way to live out our mission as prophets. Yet sometimes we need to back up that example with words. Amen? The example of Saint, <coughs> excuse me, Saint James Intercesus proves the point. Saint James was in high favor with King Yezdegerd of Persia. And this was around the year of 420 that launched the second great persecution of Christians in Persia, 
which we now understand as modern-day Iran. Now, St. James was a Christian, yet he lacked the courage to give up his enjoyable place of honor in the king's court. So he let go of his friendship and relationship with Jesus. His mother and his wife were utterly horrified and heartbroken. When the king died, they wrote him a letter to St. James filled with loving, passionate rebukes and warnings. St. James read it repeatedly over and over again amid his comfortable lodgings in the palace. And little by little, the words of that letter from his wife and mother penetrated deep within his heart until finally he turned his life back to Christ. He stopped appearing at court from then on. He renounced the honors that he had received and then he publicly repented for his earlier betrayal of the faith. Now soon afterwards there was a new king, Bahram, and that king humiliated St. James and reproached him for his ingratitude toward all the honors that the prior king had given to him and lavished upon him. When James defended the Christian faith, King Bahram ordered for his execution. The next day, a huge crowd gathered to watch his public dismemberment. That's how he earned the name interdicesis, which means cut to pieces. They tortured St. James 28 times. And each time they did, he would let out a prayer of praise to God, thanking God and giving strength to his fellow disciples of Jesus. And he also gave a powerful witness to his persecutors. James' wife and his mother took their prophetic mission seriously. When their example of fidelity to Jesus wasn't enough, they backed it up with their words, even risking their relationship with someone that they loved and cared for. But as a result, James, St. James, saved his soul. And the world was given another saint. Another person, Jesus, won back. 
Every Christian, every disciple of Christ is called to be a prophet. Because what we come to understand is, and we all know this, we are all thirsting for fulfillment and meaning in life. Amen? Amen. And we all have a sense that part of that meaning will come from doing something worthwhile. Something that will last. Something that will echo into eternity. That's what we are looking for. Now, none of us thinks lasting happiness will come from sitting in rose petals and sipping lemonade. We want to do something substantive, something meaningful. This instinct to do something with our lives, that comes from God, that desire. Because God made us in his image and likeness. And that means that we are by nature creators, co-creators with God. We were created and built to make a difference in this world. And we can't be happy unless we truly feel we are doing so. So it is part of our mission in life given to us at our baptism for each of us to co-create, to make something that will last, something that will echo into eternity. Yet we know that in the end, the only thing that will truly last is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ. That's why in our profession of our faith, whether it's in the Apostles' Creed or in the Nicene Creed, we will say, and his kingdom will have no end. All other kingdoms of this world and all other merely this worldly achievements, those things will disappear like the bang of a firecracker. So the way to satisfy that deep thirst and hunger that is within us is to achieve something meaningful, something that will build up the kingdom of God. So when we look at that, each one of us, and I include myself, we are either, we can be soldiers and ambassadors for Christ. We are as the prophet Jeremiah in that first reading. We are God's prophets. Where is Christ in today's world? Where do we see him? Well, we see him right here in each one of us. Every disciple is called to announce the coming of the kingdom of God. 
and to build it. That's what's being, that is what being a prophet means. The command that Jeremiah received from God is valid and equally important for each one of us. Where it states, I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So now brace yourself for action. Stand up and tell them all I command you. That role is being given to us as well. And it's going to take courage. It's going to take great fortitude. Amen? Ooh. I don't know if they're scared or asleep. Now, if we're being called to be that prophet, there are three prerequisites that we need. Jesus, as I says, has called us to be prophets. That mission will give our lives the true meaning we are looking for and what we are longing for. Yet it's hard to keep up a Christ-like example in life and it's hard to say the right thing at the right time. It's hard, it's difficult, it's challenging, yet it is not impossible. We can get steadily better at it if we have three conditions. First, we need to keep up our personal relationship and friendship with Jesus Christ. Because when we are separated from Jesus, we are like unplugged Christ Christians. We are like unplugged Christmas tree lights. No matter how hard we try, we're not going to shine. If on the other hand, through healthy prayer and through our sacramental life, that's how we stay plugged in to Jesus Christ. And we will shine without even trying. The second thing is we always have to strive to do our best. Apple trees show forth God's glory when they produce great apples. We can show forth God's glory when we develop and use our God-given talents and skills. Disciples of Jesus need to show forth excellent in every field of endeavor. From the factory to the ivory tower. Because disciples of Christ do everything out of love for Christ. That love we hear about in that second reading from St. Paul to the Corinthians. And there's another way you can use that reading. And I suggest this for people. Go back and do that reading, which we hear at weddings and other things. Go back, and when you do that reading, replace the word love with the word God. 
and it gives us a very, very clear understanding of who God is. So that's what we are called to do. Whatever it is, it's out of love. Out of love for Christ. And we know that love brings out the best. We want to glorify God. And that's how we do it. Third, we need to bounce back from our failures, our defeats. God permits failures so that we, and I include myself on this, that we stay humble and to remind ourselves that we are not God. If we forget that and we become arrogant, then what happens is we become prophets of self and not of Jesus Christ. Keeping our personal relationship with Jesus, always striving to do our best and bouncing back from our failures are prerequisites for fulfilling our mission as prophets. Yet this week, don't worry about all three. Just worry about one. The one the Holy Spirit told you to worry about while I was preaching this homily. Now they're all searching. It's there. Now as Jesus renews his commitment to us, in the Eucharist, we renew our commitment to him, to being his faithful prophets in both word and example. To know this, nothing will please him more if we strive to do this. Amen?